Welcome to Covenant Presbyterian Church of Fort Smith's weekly sermon podcast. Covenant is a church devoted to theological depth, intimate relationships, joyous worship, relentless evangelism, and sacrificial service. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inerrant, and inspired word. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Thus concludes the reading of God's Word. May its truth be forever, may its truth be forever written upon our hearts. Let's go together in prayer. Almighty and eternal, merciful God, whose word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, open and illuminate our minds, we pray, that we may purely and perfectly understand your word, and that our lives may be conformed to what we have rightly understood, and that in nothing we may be displeasing to your majesty. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I think our culture is uh, willing to openly acknowledge Christ at this time of year more than any other time of the year, don't you? It is a time when Christian virtues such as hope and love and joy and peace are openly connected to Christ, whether He is known personally or not. And perhaps it's because Christ's Christ's birth is culturally more palatable than Christ's cross, but it is in our post-Christian era that Christmas still carries, well, it still carries its name, and Christmas still carries its significance, even if it is buried under secular interpretation and consumerism. In settings that would typically reject the authority of God's Word, we still see Scripture-saturated Christmas carols sung. And for example, in a, in a public venue, I recently heard Charles Wesley's hymn that we sang this morning sung. And, and, and listening to it, Hark the herald angels sing. Yep, straight from the Gospel of Luke. Glory to the newborn King. Yep, verbatim. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. And I, and I thought, well, who doesn't desire peace on earth and mercy mild, even if no one knows what mercy mild means? But I'm grateful. I really am. I'm, I'm grateful that there is a remnant of gospel declaration in our cultural observance of Christmas. But probably like you, I do pray that the Holy Spirit would move, even through our cultural caroling, that all who sing and all who listen would hear and know the gospel truth of what it is meant by God and sinners reconciled. I mean, it's a a rich, meaningful phrase, isn't it? 
God and sinners reconciled, that poses some, well, poses some substantive questions, such as, who are these sinners? Or, why is reconciliation with God even necessary? Or, how are sinners reconciled? In a recent survey of Americans, 70% of respondents agreed with this statement. Everyone is born innocent in the eyes of God. 66% agreed with this statement. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. Now, if you are a regular attender of this church, <laughs> A, you probably weren't surveyed, uh, and, and B, uh, you just know that those statements are just simply in complete contradiction to God's Word. The biblical testimony is that we are sinners by nature, a wicked inheritance passed down generation after generation after generation, all the way to you and to me from our father, Adam. And the biblical testimony is that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The biblical testimony is that there is none righteous, no, not one. So it turns out that we are the sinners of which we sing, God and sinners reconciled. Why must God and sinners be reconciled? Think about it. Why is, is that necessary? I mean, if, so the argument would go, according to the world, if God is love, and the Bible says that He is, if God is love, then doesn't He love us just as we are? And doesn't such love render us at peace with God? I would imagine that if a survey were conducted asking, are you at peace with God? I truly believe that the majority would say, yes, I am at peace with God. Or, or to state it negatively, if the question was asked, are you at enmity with God? I think the majority would respond, what's enmity? <laughs> and yet the testimony of Scripture is that apart from Christ, we're not at peace with God. Apart from Christ, we are the very enemies of God. Turns out that we're not only the sinners of which we sing, but we are God's enemies in dire need of reconciliation. The Bible tells us that we are, we're not reconciled to God. The Bible tells us that His wrath remains upon us. In fact, Jesus said that. Revealed in our disobedience, including our spiritual hostility to God. No matter our good intentions, and I've got them, and you do too. No matter our thoughts, and our words, and our deeds. No matter how good they may be, we cannot please God and His wrath remains upon us. In and of ourselves, the Bible calls that our flesh. In and of ourselves, there is no spiritual life. There is no peace with God, only anger, imminent judgment, and impending wrath. Welcome to Covenant Presbyterian Church. <laughs> As I said last week, this 
is the greatest human problem. Survey asked, what's the greatest human problem? Don't care what the survey answers were. Let me tell you, according to the inspired Word of God, the greatest human problem ever is God and sinners unreconciled. And so, you may ask, then why do we sing the hymn? Why do we carol God and sinners reconciled? Well, I want you to look at this first verse with me as we find the answer. Chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to start with this verse first, and I just want us to think through this together. If all have sinned, according to Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have sinned, if all have sinned, and if none are righteous, according to Romans chapter 3, verse 10, then Who is we of this first verse? Why do we have peace with God? That we are not those who are just a little better than we are. That we are not those who work just a little bit harder than we do. That we are not those who are just a little more spiritual or a lot more spiritual than we are. No, In fact, the biblical testimony is the we are those who were spiritually dead in their trespasses and sins. The we are those who once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The we is those who once lived in the passions of the sinful flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. The we are those who were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so, we are not naturally good. We are born sinners condemned. But God, here's the gospel, but God, in His rich mercy, but God, in His great love, bestowed His grace, not upon the worthy, but upon the unworthy. Enabling those who were dead in their sin to savingly come to life through believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is you. And that is us if you, if we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the way that Paul put it succinctly. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. And so when Christians talk about quote, being saved, it is a reference to the wrath of God. We have been saved, our salvation from the wrath of God, our reconciliation to Him, a reconciliation to God, our peace with God is by His grace exclusively through faith in Christ. And so that's why, that's why we can sing peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, because God's mercy came down to earth in the Holy Spirit-conceived, virgin-born Son of God. Indeed, as Paul wrote to the Galatians, when the fullness of time had come, 
God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Just like we sang just a minute ago, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, held incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Theologically speaking, what we are singing there is the second person of the Godhead. The Son of God became man, dwelling as the God-man, Emmanuel, God with us. As the Apostle Paul explains to the Philippians, though he was in the form of God, he did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Christ, who was pleased as man with men to dwell, also for the joy, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, bearing the wrath of Almighty God in our stead, resurrecting from the dead that we might have life and life forever. And so we sing, mild He lays His glory by, born that no more may die, born to raise us from the earth, born to give us second birth. It is only through His life, through His death, through His resurrection, that God and sinners are reconciled. However, though we are sinners by nature, that does not mean that we are reconciled to God in our sin. And Paul's going to make that point very clear in our passage today. As a God who is holy, He can know no sin. That's a big problem for sinners. To be reconciled to Him, then, we must be justified as righteous. We must be justified as righteous. And so look again at verse 1 with me. Therefore, since we have been justified, how have we been justified? By faith. Now what? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ, we become the we who have been justified by faith, We who are at peace with God, and we are at peace not because God says, well, I'm just going to look past John's sins. He's been a good boy this year. No, God doesn't look like us like Santa Claus. God can know no sin, and so he must see first the righteousness of Christ. God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. To be justified is to be pardoned of sin. To be accepted as righteous before God. An act of God's free grace. Not earned, not merited, not persuaded or manipulated, but an act of God's free grace and received by faith alone. Elaborating on this truth, look with me in verse 2. Elaborating on this truth, Paul says, we have also obtained access by faith in this grace in which we stand. Now think about that. By the gift 
of God's Son. Our standing with a holy God is, by His design, by His grace. By the grace of God, we are no longer enemies with God, but now what? Second-class citizens? Servants to care for the heavenly lawn? Someone to to come behind and and sweep up after the angels? (laughs) No. As children. We are children of God. Received into the family of God with all the rights, with all the privileges of a child. If you are in Christ today, you have all of the rights and privileges of a child of God in His kingdom. And this means that in Christ, we have access to the living and true God, who is our Heavenly Father. And because we are reconciled to God in Christ, we can confidently approach Him. In fact, Scripture uses this term that makes some people uneasy. He says that we may approach our Heavenly Father in Christ with boldness. We may come to God with boldness. Not a cowering, fearful servant, but beloved children. Running to our Heavenly Father with the warmest affection. Remember when my kids were little and I got to see, I'm getting to see it now with my grandkids. And there was that age, and some of you remember this, when you would come home from work and you'd open the door and your kids would like jump and it looked like they were flying through the air for six feet. It's probably like a half a foot, you know, but six feet through the air, daddy, and they'd grab hold of me and it was the greatest hug in the world and I was a superstar for 30 seconds, but it was, it was a great 30 seconds and In Christ, we now may approach God with all of the boldness of a child on Christmas morning. But just like affluent children who are overindulged at Christmas, I think many Christians take this access for granted. I fear that many of us have lost the wonder, have lost the grandeur, of coming into the presence of our Heavenly Father. I hear through this season, don't forget the wonder of Christmas. Don't forget the reason for the season. We have all sorts of cliches like this as Americans, don't we? I wonder. I wonder if we've lost the wonder. I wonder if we have lost the grandeur of coming before our Heavenly Father. Because you see, the greatest Christmas morning that you can remember, think back, the most memorable Christmas gift you have ever received, Star Wars X-Wing Fighter, pales in comparison to the reconciled access that we have to Him who loves us more than we can imagine. You cannot imagine the love that God has for you in Christ. Yeah, it's that great. It's that incredible. Better than Christmas morning. And so in conclusion, I want you to think back with me to the night of Christ's birth. Luke records that an angel appeared to shepherds and announced this. 
And it just sounds better in the King James Version. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. And so, rightly do we sing our Christmas carol, Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. Because it was a glorious, it was a supernatural event. The good news indeed to the world. In fact, I love the way that that hymn includes the proclamation of the gospel when it says this, Joyful, all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, with angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. It was a proclamation, not only to the lowly shepherds, but to the nations, that God would enter time and space to redeem a people for His own possession from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation. The angelic proclamation was not an introduction of praise to come. As if, we'll just hold on tight. Just wait. No. For we who have been justified by faith, we who have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, we who have also obtained access by this faith into this grace in which we stand, we now rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's right. We, we who have sinned and fall short of God's glory in Christ now hope for glory. Indeed, He who humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, in that passage, then Paul continues by saying, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we, we look toward that day. We whom He predestined, whom He called, whom He justified, will be glorified. In his second letter to the Corinthian church, Paul gives this encouragement, and it is good encouragement indeed. He says, quote, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. You see, the angelic proclamation that the shepherds beheld was indeed glorious. But there is a greater glory to be beheld. When, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, Scripture says, at the last trumpet, 
For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. And we will be glorified as our Lord was glorified, and we will behold the glory of God forever. As man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, so we shall. For the heaven-born Prince of Peace has reconciled sinners like you and like me to God forever. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you have grown in your knowledge of and love for God. Covenant Presbyterian is a PCA church that meets for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Our address is 120 North 9th Street in historic downtown Fort Smith, Arkansas. For more information about Covenant, visit our website at www.cpcfs.org.